interesting episode of the Midwest Monsters podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Grizzly Abner, and I'm joined by Professor Wagstaff, Venomous Vinny, Hot Toddy. Good to be with you again, folks, and you may be able to tell over the audio waves that uh, we sound a little different. That's because we are in the midst of Corona mania, as I like to call it, the (laughs) COVID-19 pandemic. And we are trying to record the show over Zoom. And so uh, we're just doing our best. So please <laughs> please uh, <laughs> bear with us in the, the dip in maybe audio quality. Uh, we may hit some lagging. There may be some different stuff. But hey, we're just talking about paranormal activity. So I don't think it's a real loss if it doesn't <laughs> clearly. <laughs> what if this is actually the seventh movie? <laughs> yeah. yeah, and fair warning, there is no drop in quality or scenario that will cause me to do this again. <laughs> yeah, if this goes entirely tits up, we're not re-recording this episode. Yeah. So, <laughs> big fans, I hope you pray that this episode goes well. But yeah, so there's the uh, cats out of the bag. We're talking about the uh, Paranormal Activity franchise. Hot Toddy is letting us know we ate at Frisch's Big Boy by sticking it up on the screen. <laughs> And, uh, so, um, initial thoughts. I, I'd only seen one through four and uh, initially, so this is my first time for, uh, five and six, whatever they're called, uh, marked ones and ghost dimension. And, uh, I thought one was okay. I didn't like two as much and then I thought three was okay and I didn't like four as much that's my initial stuff I'll talk about the revisits here but this is my first time revisiting uh all four of those so uh professor first impressions uh in uh background with the series well frequently with with the this show we tackle different subjects and we revisit things and it really kind of enriches your experience with the films and uh with this that was not the case um i had seen one through five uh i just hadn't seen this last one uh so that was the first time watch for this um and i will say and we'll go more into it as we go along but it was a much different experience previously because i saw these when they came out i'd never watched these in any kind of close proximity of each other. Like when part four came out, I didn't race back and watch one through three again. And so this was the first time I'd really kind of paraded these. And that was a less enjoyable experience for me. Venomous one. I had seen the first one. Uh, I remember everybody was raving about it and how scary it was, and I think I ended up seeing it once it was out on home video, DVD, and I remember watching it, 
and being bored AF through the entire thing. <laughs> and then at the very end of it, I was like, that, that's it. Like, this is what everybody's been screaming about. Uh, so I had only ever seen the first one. And so this was the first time viewing for all of the sequels for me. What a treat. Mm. What a what a treat. Um, I've seen all of them in the theater except for the Mark ones. Uh, that one I saw when it came out on video. Um, the first time watching them, though, back-to-back, uh, -back, like binge-watching all of them together, uh, which is definitely a different experience. Um, revisiting them, I felt differently about some of the ones uh, than I did previously. Do I have to say everything over again now? <laughs> <laughs> I had to close my blinds. I was being blinded by the sun. Uh, I'll just trust that you love all of them and you watch them every year. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> That's what I said. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, where should we start? Todd, the first one? Hey, let's do that. Do you want to go in order that they take place, though? Yeah, are we talking, <laughs> if you paid attention to the timeline, we may need to start it somewhere else. Oh, Lord, yes. I don't have time for this. <laughs> Uh, you let's have just, let's go, yeah. Let's go, yes. Chronological order from release date. All right. Paranormal Activity, uh, 2007. Written and directed by Oren Pelly and starring Katie Featherston and Micah. We'll call him Micah. That's the American version. So. Yeah, that, that that's how normal people say that name. Mika. Mika. That's like fuck. Pokemon name. Which, uh, I think Lisa, is, which, is, hey, which I think is hey, even the, wrong the, by, the by German standards because, like, Mika is like the, the feminine Michael would be like Michelle. So, congratulations. So, we start. We start this movie Picture. with Mika. That's strike one. Yeah. For <laughs> me. Strike Earth. one, Mika. Pronounce the Earth tag. <laughs> I'm trying to church it up, dirt. Oh, also, uh, probably good to note, too, this is, I think, the first horror film that Jason Blum produced. Hmm. Really? And he got a taste of that money. <laughs> there was blood in the yeah. water. What was the budget on this thing, and what did it gross? Well, apparently, it cost that to make it. Uh, I think originally, the director and both actors got paid $500, so... <laughs> Hopefully they got paid more since. Uh, I would hope so. They had to have been shoveling money after this thing hit. Like just shovels and a pickup truck putting, going to the bank to deposit it. <laughs> well, uh, Katie, Katie has not worked for, uh, for Steak and Shake yet, so it's better than Blair Witch. <laughs> <laughs> I like that it opens with uh, it thanks. Uh, the families involved and the San Diego Police Department. Yeah, a nice little touch to kind of get get the hook in your mouth. Mm -hmm. So, who wants to do synopses for these movies? <laughs> um, <laughs> so this one is just not it. A hard pass, dog. Uh, Todd, why don't we take turns here? Let's just uh, 
you want me to do it? If you can, it's funny how this this could be said. You want me to do a, a keep it simple, stupid version? Yes, please. Uh, yes. Just tell so, uh, me or six. Let me, let me make sure I pronounce Mika correctly since we had the history lesson. Uh, <laughs> <Mika>. <laughs> Claws are out. Uh, Mika decides to get a, uh, a camera to record uh, the strange activity that is going on in their, uh, their house. And uh, he realizes that uh, as he gets a little deeper, that this is something that has followed Katie around since she was a kid. The end. <laughs> Start getting some weird shit on camera. Things happen in the house. And that's kind of the plot. So uh, they call in a psychic to uh to talk things over and, and and katie shares that her childhood was haunted uh with uh with her sister also so um at this point uh, the psychic is convinced that they don't have a ghost what do they have demons demons that's right so uh and not just any kind of demon what kind of footprints do the demons leave behind Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is everybody lost? Right right <laughs> <laughs> uh, like Was chicken. it black, Philip? They look like chicken feet. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for tuning in, everybody. <laughs> All right, good. This is going so well, and I'm lagging. So. Is this produced by Church's Chicken? <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, anybody want to interject at this point? <laughs> I mean, I, uh, I think yeah, I could be wrong. I feel like this is the first movie that I remember where they pushed the uh, where it showed the audience watching the film instead of the movie, and so you saw the audience being scared, and then they were pushing that demand it in your city. Uh, so I was pretty hyped when I went and saw this in the theater, and I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, when I saw it in the theater, but it doesn't have like Blair Witch. It doesn't have a lot of rewatchability. I would agree wholeheartedly. Yeah, I had a, I had a lot me, of fun with this in the theater, but no rewatchability. Yeah, the theater experience is important to stress with this specifically because that's what came in like Gangbusters. I saw this in the theater because I I had went and uh, seen something else um, with a group of friends and we actually saw that it was there and I was ranting and raving about how I couldn't believe it was there. So we actually stayed after their wives and girlfriends went home and a group of us stayed around to watch that. And it was such an excellent experience because every time that footage would go to the night footage, the breathing stopped in the theater because nobody knew, especially early on, what they were going to pull out. And so that's kind of permanently embedded in me and makes the first one a very forgiving watch for me because I had so much fun in the theater with that. Um, I think that especially in the first one, they were fairly inventive uh, for spending next to no money. And they actually gave you some on-screen scares, which frequently is uh, unfortunate element of found footage films where you get all this build up and build up and it never really feels like it delivers. And I feel like even, even if someone doesn't enjoy this film, you can't deny that you at least get some on screen payoff, whether you like it or not. 
story. But uh, for me, it's a very kind of classic idea, the idea of possession and dealing with that within the home. This wasn't that long after um, Exorcism of Emily Rose. Uh, and I think there was kind of a little bit of a rejuvenated interest in some of those concepts. And so it kind of checked the boxes on that as well. So I, I think the first one, if nothing else, is just worth watching for its importance. I think that like with many successful horror movies, the sequels have only went on to hurt that. Mm -hmm. I I will uh, agree. I I don't enjoy this movie. I don't I don't enjoy any of these movies. Uh, but I will give credit on this for being what it was for its time, and it when slashers had absolutely been beaten to death, and even that resurgence of horror in the nineties had gotten beaten to death. This was an interesting, another, another take that you really hadn't seen before. And so people didn't really know what to expect with it. So I will give, I will give credit for, uh, ingenuity for the yeah. movie, but that's, a, that's where my praise stops. I agree with the professor where, uh, it's slower to watch now, but I just think of like the fun I had seeing it in the theater with the audience, especially the scene with the Ouija board. Remember people actually screaming out when you broke that out at that point. Um, but I really enjoyed it. I liked the first one, but it's, I don't know. It doesn't, it's not so bad as it just, I don't know. It doesn't hold up as well. And definitely a, a, a strange movie experience watching all these back to back. So yeah, strange would be a kind description. <laughs> you know, I might be the odd man out and say that for me, it was a little bit of a chore watching them all back to back, rewatching the first four, because I don't think any of them have any rewatchability. But I'm glad I did it when I got to five and six, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's my take on one is that, yeah, it's just. I think I texted Vinny and I was like, man, rewatching these is a real drag. Like those, I mean, they're 80 minute movies and they feel like they take forever. And then some of them are like a hundred minutes. And I was like, you've got to be joking. Like you want me to sit through this for a hundred minutes. <laughs> see, see now I feel like that old man in uh Friday the 13th <laughs> who was warning you guys not to go to camp blood, but you all went anyway. <laughs> yeah. And it, I think it, all of the reactions lends, you know, itself to kind of our experience prior to, because like I said, when you were kind of dreading it, I was like, well, it's not that bad because I've watched each film individually. And then I watched them back to back and it was that bad. <laughs> yeah. I'm vindicated. <laughs> <laughs> um, so one, we already kind of gave some of that. Uh, basically she finds a, Burned childhood photo in the attic, and that'll be important for later for all you boys and girls following along at home. And uh, then we get to the final big finale where um, she gets drug out of the room uh, on some of the night footage. Mika goes chasing after her. 
he gets thrown back in the room and knocks over the camcorder and she comes uh, crawling back in, makes a demon face, roll credits. Yeah. Which is, well, that is the uh, Steven Spielberg selected ending. <laughs> Not the original. Like he kind of he kind of really? made them change the ending because they were going to remake this movie, which is why they bought it. Uh, they were going to have known stars in it, and just this is going to be an extra feature on the DVD. And then Steven Spielberg, when he went to watch the screener at his house, was like, "Nope, it scared me. Let's keep it." But he wanted the ending changed. Tell and then, you tell uh, what the original ending was. Um. Uh, well, if you watch the Blu-ray, there's there's three different endings. Oh, I only saw one other one. So there's the one where she cuts her throat. Um, yeah. And I think the original ending is is really similar, but like the cops show up and I think they shoot her and and then you hear like some noises flicker. I don't know. I didn't watch that one, but then they added in CGI Mika <laughs> and blurred out all of the guns in everybody's hands and made them walkie talkies. Yes, oh, like man. me. <laughs> I was a dig at you, Spielberg. Anything else to say about Paranormal Activity 1? Just that these films kind of tap into the same thing over and over again, which obviously we'll mention as we go. But one thing I I do want to point out is that even for films that I don't necessarily particularly like, I do always recognize that there's at least one good gimmick in each film, it seems like. And for this one, I love... I love the footprints in this one. Um, I think that it's effective, even if they look like chicken feet to you. Uh, just the, the way it just plays out, especially we were in the theater. It's just like, oh, shit, they're actually going up to the next level of starting to kind of manifest something on screen. And I, I still think even on the when I rewatched this, that that was that was pretty cool. Yeah, like when I rewatched them, um, so, yeah, I'll echo that sentiment. Like, the first one is worth watching if you've never seen it. Like, I mean, it's just, I think, part of the genre. You should check it out, et cetera. But yeah. um, each film, like, I don't think these are bad movies. And I wanted to give that preface now going into each one from here on out. I don't think they're bad movies. Oh, yeah. They could be way worse. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, and you're right. Each one kind of ratcheted up a step that had just a little bit of charm or movie magic that made you not feel entirely robbed for watching it. Um, yeah, I mean it's good perspective. I'm glad you added that. But again, there's not a lot of rewatchability to him. No. that's something. That, that, like, I think you know, I think when I saw it, though, it left me uh, with enough. I mean, I was scared watching it, and I left, and it was a cool movie experience for the time. And it cost 15 million for them to spend. It made almost 200 million worldwide. So sequel, guaranteed. For I mean that these things were guaranteed money makers because of how low the budget was. Uh, I didn't. I guess I kind of forgot when this movie came out, but it did. Uh, it did knock Saul, whatever part, Saul Six was probably out at the time, and uh, it was the number one Halloween movie. So it kind of stopped Saul from happening every year. There's yeah. that. So like you're welcome. These, I guess. I feel like I should send them flowers now. <laughs> yeah, I like these movies better than the Saul movies. I can tell you that. Well, they certainly took the baton of wrapping it. In and interweaving crazy ass narratives where they could go back and plug it in. And <laughs> Man, it was Timmy, the pizza delivery guy. <laughs> okay, so let's move on to Paranormal Activity 2. 
Uh, so part two, released in 2010, directed by Todd Williams and written by Michael R. Perry and Christopher Landon. And uh, cast is Brian Boland as Daniel Ray, Molly Ephraim as Ali Ray. Um, I know I'm going to butcher this one, but this is Sprouch, Sprage, Graydon as mm -hmm. Christy Ray, uh, which is Katie's sister. And then uh, Katie Featherstone and Mike, I'm sorry, Mika Slow return in this one uh, in flashback. <laughs> Mika, Mika. Uh, and I guess this one is prequel, sequel, because it starts out two months before um, the events of the first movie. And with continuity, they thank the family again, and this time they thank the Carlsbad Police Department. Um, yeah, so prequel, two months before. Um, they're, <laughs> I'm looking at my notes, it says house trashed. So their house got trashed mysteriously at the beginning of the film. Um, this is after uh, Katie's sister had her baby. So now you've got like these two kids and that adds to the story dynamic just a little bit. Um, you got any real synopsis you want to give to it, Todd? Uh, I mean, I, just a couple months before and um, I think this one probably is where we start the, um, the um, I don't know, the lure of uh, the, the movies because uh, we're going to eventually find out that um, there's uh, a pact that witches have been known to make with the devil that their firstborn son and the family would go to them. Um, and uh, unfortunately for the grandma, which I guess they've had all uh, girls up until now. Um, and I'll say, especially rewatching this one, I actually like part two better than uh, part one. Yeah. Uh, Veneer Wilson. Sorry, uh, professor. No, it's fine. Um, I think that this does a good job of kind of jumping back into the same concept of we're going back to the well of what made people like the first one. And so we're setting it at a different household, but we're still tackling kind of the same ideas. But this is with the audiences, they're armed with the knowledge that this family has been bothered by this growing up. And so we already kind of know that it's the sister and that we're probably going to learn a little bit more about it. Um, but I mean, really it kind of, it's kind of cookie cutter in the sense of we go through the experience in their household that we went in the first one, but now we've got a larger family, a little bit more moving parts. Um, my, the gimmick in this one that I just want to point out is the kitchen scene with all the drawers and cabinets I think is wonderful. Every time uh, yeah, that's a that, cool scene. I'm wondering if the actress had no idea because it seems pretty genuine that she's very yeah. startled. It looks like she had the shit scared <laughs> out of her there. Um, but, I mean, we basically, I don't know how quickly we want to run through it, but we get into the, the purpose of this film is to explain how we landed where we landed in the original film <clears throat> based on what they do with, with their situation. So, I mean, for that, I think that it's an it's, it's certainly more entertaining in the, the narrative than the first one is. The first one, 
and I, I mean, in fairness, they weren't trying to spend a lot of money to go deep into a narrative, but we don't really go too far with it. We just kind of, you know, have the, the, the scares in the house and we learn that there's a history with her. But in this one, we really start to get into it a little bit more. And we certainly put more on screen uh, for the audience than we did in the first one. Vinny? Uh, I just saw my name. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> somebody hilarious. Uh, anyway, I don't – to me, it's like <laughs> – I just saw it. If you like the first one, this goes in and gives you the hits that you liked from the first one while expanding on it and even includes the original characters to a lesser degree, but they are still present. Um, now, if you didn't like what they served you up in the first one, you're not going to enjoy the second one. You're not going to have fun with part two. If you did not no, like part one. no. I'm going to take it. You didn't have fun. I didn't have fun with any of these. I hated, I hate these movies. Wow. So, I hate every one of them. It was more of a paranormal chore for you then. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I sat and watched most of them with a gun in my mouth. Whoa. <laughs> There's the plot of the seventh film. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. So there's some intense moments. I mean, like. <clears throat> um, How do you just, follow that? <laughs> Total subject change, bud. I uh, I want them to re-release it and put that quote on the box. <laughs> the box set if you buy all six on Blu-ray. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's some intense moments where the sister's at the house and she gets locked out, and um, <clears throat> the mom gets drug away from the baby, and uh, there's just you know some of those high spots for the film that are just the things that are supposed to really draw you in, right? And so, was, was, was this the one? Was two or three with the sheet where the sheet has something under it? And that's three. That's uh, well, three. Spoiler alert! And I'm sorry. <laughs> um, you know they had the uh, the old maid. You know that was uh, kind of old school uh, Hispanic and she was like, oh, there's some weird stuff going on and they kind of fired her because of that. But then they're like, we don't know what to do. Call the old maid back. And um, the old maid says, uh, you can transfer this thing that's happening, this thing that's trying to get your child to a blood relative. And can you guess who that blood relative was? Katie. Katie, you got it. <laughs> And so Katie kills the dad, takes the baby. Or as I, or as I call her, Count Racula. <laughs> <laughs> so Katie kills the dad, takes the baby, bounces. Anything else to say about this movie? Nope. Um, not really. I, I, I mean, it's, it definitely delivers on multiple intense moments and gimmicks with, between the stairs and the stuff in the basement. So, I mean, I like it okay. Sure. And all the stuff with the pool. The pool stuff was in this one too, right? Mm -hmm. Being thrown out of the pool. Yeah. Yeah, that was actually Colin Cameron, which is cool. But, yeah. Because okay. isn't Mika Mika talking about enjoying the pool <laughs> when he's there early on? Yeah. Yeah. He's saying something always off color. Yeah. 
It's like, hey, buddy, if you knew everything, you wouldn't have bought a stupid camera in 2006. <laughs> <laughs> All right, rolling in to Paranormal Activity Part 3. So, Part 3, uh, one year later, 2011, uh, directed by Henry Joost and Ariel Schulman, and again, written by Christopher Landon. Uh, cast includes Lauren Bittner as Julie. Uh, Christopher Smith as Dennis, Chloe Swingini as uh, as young Katie, and Jessica Brown as Christy. Um, Haley Foote is Grandma, and uh, we eventually see that Katie Featherstone. Um, I think it's mostly in flashbacks on this one, where uh, except for Katie when she shows up, but uh, some of the characters from two. Uh, make some appearances as well. So this is a way back prequel. This is going back to... This, this is little, yeah, yeah. so this is back when Katie I and Christy were kids. I think this one, all the scenes I can think of that I love about these movies, I think come from this movie. So Yeah, this, um, this was the one that I had been most fond of in my original viewings. Yeah. This one feels like it has more of a narrative mm-hmm. than actual story. Like the story is just put together and told better, I think. Yeah. I, I figured since we liked it, you were coming in to shit on it, but I'm, <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> I'm here to keep you on your toes, Todd. <laughs> so, uh, prequel Katie and Chris, your girls. They're with, uh, living with her mom and her... Is he her husband at this point? I mean, I know it's not their dad, but yeah, I guess, I guess they're married, right? Um, so he is like a video guy, so he would come record your bar mitzvah or your wedding or whatever, and so that's Demonic his... possession. Yes, that's his gimmick, so that's... <laughs> Low-rent like, porn. <laughs> as he tries <laughs> to achieve in the film. And so that's why, that's the setup as to why he already has the camera equipment because he's not running out of product. So uh, he sees some some weird things happening in the home and he decides to uh, give it a shot and record some of this stuff. And so that's our setup for this movie. Um, one thing I really like about this movie, I mean, like I said, there's a lot of great shots. As we all said, there's a lot of cool things um, that our memories when we think of what we liked about these movies, most of them come from this film. And right from the beginning, when there's that earthquake and that dust falls and you get oh, yeah. kind of the shape of the, the being there, that was a cool trick. That was cool. Yeah, there, that's, there's two, two moments in this movie that have now both been mentioned that always <coughs> stood out in this film for me. That, that and the sheet, because the gimmick they used uh, with the oscillating fan, mm-hmm. putting the camera on it, is so much fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the the using the the oscillating camera um, and like I said, the sheet ghost is good. Benny, did you like the sheet ghost? I did. That's one of my couple notes was that the sheet effect was cool. I think that these movies, like Professor said, there's always at least one scene in it where I was like, "Oh, that's cool." Yeah, but <laughs> they, total waste I, of time. yeah, well. <laughs> I think uh, I think at this at, from this moment from the first two this one did have uh, 
more likable characters. Like the the dad was kind of funny, and um, I think that's the first time they started mentioning Toby. Yeah. Yep. So the girls are talking to Toby, or not one, just one of the girls is talking to Toby, um, um, which is important for the setup. As long as I can remember my notes, I watched these two months ago because you know we're yeah, supposed it's to been a while, two or three weeks ago. So I'm trying to interpret my notes. <laughs> Well, and, uh, I think a lot of the, the ones that stood out for me was a lot of scenes that involved Toby. <clears throat> I like, too, that the parents early on were experiencing, uh, I, I feel like a lot of movies with kids, the parents don't see anything. It's just the kids experiencing it. Uh, but like where the, uh, I guess he's the friend is watching the girls and she gets him to go in the bathroom to do Bloody Mary. And uh, <laughs> it, it ends up freaking him out. Um also, I think, I don't know if it added to the movie, but a lot of the, I feel like the previews, none of that footage is in the film. So kind of what I was expecting to happen didn't happen when I saw the movie because all the, uh, all the uh, footage was not, not actually uh, from the film. So um, There were some good scares with that closet uh, that the kids were playing in a lot. And that hair lift where the girl gets picked up by her hair. Mm-hmm. That's, that's cool. A, that's a great shot. Um, but then I think really the most important thing that goes to the story arc before we get to the big finish is so it is Christy who's the one that's talking to Toby. And so she's trying to get Toby to leave her alone, leave the family alone, and then finally when everything's going nuts, you hear her yell out to Toby, okay, I'll do it. And so I think we are to assume that that's her agreeing to give him her first point seven. Yeah. Okay. I want to make sure I wasn't the only one making that leap. And so the big finale, anybody got anything to say before I go to the big finale? Nope. Jump on it. Okay. Well, they, they, they're wanting to get away from the house, right? Get away from the house and all the bullshit that's going on at the house. And they go out to the mom's house, mom's mom, the grandma, who's been involved, uh, kind of overreaching a little bit. Um, and also just saying these like kind of cluey things that lead us up to this ending. They get out there, uh, shit starts going crazy out of the grandma's house and they wake up and they're uh, trying to figure out what's going on. They're running through the house. Oh, look, mom's dead. Oh, look, uh, mom's husband's getting killed. Um, and then there's just- Turns with eyes wide shut. <laughs> yes, well, I was thinking hereditary, very hereditary before hereditary and then you got the witch grandma taking the little girls by the hand and it's almost like grandma sold them up the river damn you lois <laughs> is this the one where old boy gets yes. yeah folded in half yes. <laughs> I was like, we all agree because everybody listening can see what you just did <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> for the listeners at home folded in half is what many just uh <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so for me, you guys know this because you know me well enough that you've watched hundreds of movies with me. You throw a good cult storyline into it, <laughs> or a good witch storyline, and I'm in. And so three came to an end, and I was very pleased with it the first time around. And I, I'm not upset about the second time watching the movie. It drove, I, this one drove less than the first two for me. For me, three still holds up, and I actually enjoy watching three. So, um, so three, I, like again, it's the first time watching them all back to back. But um, 
I think if I would have just done three, four, and five, I would have been okay. Sure. Uh, but um, yeah, three, three is to me uh, one of the better films. I agree. For me, this is this is where the franchise should have just stopped. I, I would agree that with that. The first three is a trilogy. I, in my opinion, would would hold up long term better. I think it's an interesting kind of story that we explore out of order in a nonlinear manner. And I, I don't think that there's enough, at least personally for me in, in the next three that we'll discuss that make me glad that they exist. I think that if this was a trilogy, it would for me be something I'd be more interested in going back to. But with six films, I'm never going to be in the mood to run through all these again, unless we do uh, episode 400 revisit special on this. <laughs> that, that one's in memoriam of venomous Vinny. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we'll we'll record this live from Benny's uh, funeral. <laughs> because because when it gets brought up that we're doing it again, I'm going to hang myself on a closet. And then we're going to contact you with a Ouija board, and that's how we're going to do the show. <laughs> uh, spoiler, I'm actually what possessed Mika. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's roll it into uh, part four. I don't want to. <laughs> so, uh... Part three was the uh, the biggest money maker of the group. So let's roll into four. Uh, part four, 2012, uh, Henry Juiced and Ariel Schumann directing again, written by Christopher Landon, uh, Catherine Newton as Alex, and Matt Shibley as Ben, and um, Katie Featherstone returns as Katie, and um, uh, leaving on the third one on a high and coming in low with part four. So. Uh, this is probably, uh, this is definitely my least favorite of, uh, of all the movies. Probably most of the movies of 2012. Uh, this is probably why I didn't go see five in the theater was because of uh, four. Um, so, yeah. I think it's also the first one that I noticed that there's actually um, actors that are known in the film. So this one is the first three the first one was the, the other two were prequels is what I'm getting at. Yeah. This, this is one sequel. now is not a prequel. This one is now a sequel. Yeah. This one's five years later from the events of uh, paranormal. The yeah. first one. Yeah. The first so this one. is the, this is the first direct sequel. Yeah. If you pay uh, attention. Am I doing the plot, the plot of this one? Uh, sure. There, we are. Uh, so five years after um, Hunter, which is the, would be the nephew to Katie. Uh, so after she takes Hunter, uh, five years later, um, this is a, a family living next to um, the, the daughter's always kind of recording on her, um, talking to her boyfriend. Now I'm going to let you finish. Yeah. I'm going to let you finish. But oh, Jesus. Don't they tell us at the beginning of the film it says Katie and Hunter's whereabouts or something? Don't sure. get some sort of note like that. So you mean how I just said that she took the baby, nobody knows where they're at? Okay, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Proceed, if you will. So uh, the, the daughter, Alex, uh, is always commenting on how there's a weird little kid living next door named Wyatt. Or, I'm sorry, Wyatt's her brother. Every uh, neighborhood's got one. Robbie. Robbie. Um, something ends up happening with uh, Robbie's mom, who he lives with, and they end up taking him in. Uh, and then surprise um robbie's actually hunter and his mother is katie spoiler alert 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, and I, I like, I, were they were they living next to the weird witch cult house, like grandma's house? Is that? I don't know. This shit. <laughs> uh, this is like Curse of Michael Myers bullshit. Like this. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> this movie is so bad. Uh, one of my notes says boyfriend character is the worst. Yeah, he did. And so. at one point in one of the scenes, I said, I may, I may as well be staring at a photo because they stay on a static shot <laughs> where nothing happens. And I know they think that's building suspense, but it was boring AF. And my final note for this movie is it just gets more and more ridiculous. <laughs> Ugh. Um, I gotta say that the the kid who played Robbie, aka Hunter, the weird little kid, did a great job of acting. Like he was just like a weird little creep, <laughs> like, yeah. like the kind of you like turn around and they're always stepping on him because he just silently walked up on him, and he wears socks with sandals, and that's funny. <laughs> so I, that's off to that kid. I thought he did a good job. That's, yeah, eight that's years later, courtesy. one wonders if he's in jail by now. <laughs> he popped up <laughs> in something that Carrie and I were watching the other day. I was like, what do we know that little weirdo from? Oh, it was uh, American Horror Story Season 2. Yep. He was in that. Oh, okay. Creepy. So he's good in things that go off the rails trying too hard. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's in his, his uh, writer. Like, that's what he has to do. <laughs> um. So we, uh, we, we hear Toby again. Uh, someone's talking to Toby. Uh, I think the only neat thing in this film is the scenes involving the Xbox Connect when they're playing it with the night vision on and you see the, uh, you know, the sensors that that Xbox Connect is throwing out and you get to glimpse some weird shapes and figures in that. How much yeah. money do you think Xbox paid for that? Oh, man. Product placement. Uh, well, I think with this one, and this is why on the previous film I, I mentioned that I feel like this is where we start to tilt into unnecessary, is because this is a, a perfect exercise in taking a look at when a franchise has kind of saturated itself, because there's nothing wrong with with this in, in the sense of it is exploring everything that it has set up. The thing is, is I don't really want to watch that. I, I had enough with the, the three and enough storyline. So with this, we're taking a look more at Tobey. We're taking a look at following up from the end of the first one, building into the legacy with the coven and everything with that. And so it's, it's tapping into all that stuff, but it's a, like I said, it's a perfect exercise in showing why sometimes you don't need to make another movie. And from here on out, we venture into completely different directions that really could have been their own movies. They didn't need to be paranormal activity sequels. And so with this one, I feel like this is where we really start to have exhausted the storyline. Uh, it just, I mean, it's, uh, for me, the one thing that, and I always mix it up with part three that I do like is that shot at the end with the dozens of women. Uh, coming. That's right. Her. That's this one, not part three. You're right. And I always feel like that's part three, but for for that, I do really like that scene. But otherwise, 
I, the problem with this one is I just don't really care. It's not that it's some huge drop in quality. They still do what they have done in the previous films. It's just, I think most viewers at this point are like yawning through it. Cause it's like, we've already had that ride and you can only keep doing it so many times. That'd be fun. Now, if I'm 14 years old, maybe these all six films are formative for me and they're really fun experiences, but for, you know, horror fans who have been watching sequel after sequel for decades, you kind of know the drill and you know, when you're checked out. And I feel like we hit that point in this. Very, blow up. <laughs> very thorough analysis, Professor. And uh, yeah, someone's timer's counting down. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, I think uh, the third one, and I like the third one really well, but um, I, I have to agree because I think if they would have stopped because uh, the uh, it, it's already took a, from ghosts and uh, unknown, and now you're giving in a reason and now it's not so much ghosts as witches. Yeah. And then by the fourth one, it's kind of, oh. Yeah, it should have been called kitchen sink activity. <laughs> yeah. Didn't they throw the kitchen sink? <laughs> uh, I think uh, this is the only, uh, this is the second. Jesus. New neighborhood. Gang. Either that or it was Vinny's beard scratching. <laughs> the, uh, this is only the second time I watched this one, so... Um, not gunning up for a third one. Yeah. Um, you know what? I think, Todd, if you were the one who said, are they living next to the, the old grandma witch house? I think you're right. Now that I look at my notes, because that people kept showing up to that house that was supposedly uninhabited. That's all that in my notes. So you are correct, sir. The, the one showed up and asked, uh, she's like, we're going to get out the orgy coke. Stay. <laughs> Um, yeah, so we come to our big finale, if you can call it that, and, uh, Katie shows up at the house, and, uh, the mom gets killed, and there's a bunch of witches. That's oh, what my notes I, say. I think we should probably mention, it doesn't the, isn't the boy supposed to be similar to, uh, to Hunter, that there's other boys like him, so that's probably important to mention. So, um. Wyatt, yeah, because Wyatt, the brother, is yeah. adopted. Yes, you could sk- save an hour and a half. That's all you need to know. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I think they're trying to take possession of Wyatt as well, right? That's what the witches were there for. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Okay, cool. Yeah. Paranormal Activity 4. <laughs> <laughs> yep, you got to have your lunge at the camera and roll the credits. Are you, uh, are you still with us, Vinny, or are you having a heart attack? Uh, no, I'm, my, I'm brain dead right now, so okay. I haven't watched them. <laughs> okay, let's talk about uh, the fifth paranormal activity movie known as The Marked Ones. Todd, can you give us some dates and details? Paranormal Activity The Marked Ones, 2014, written and directed by Christopher Landon, starring Andrew Jacobs as Jesse and Jorge Diaz as Hector. Uh, and then a few returning uh, stars from the other films. Uh, may or may not show up in this one. Okay, spoiler alert. So, Toddy, how do you feel about this movie? Uh, this one is my favorite of the franchise. This is my first time viewing, and I actually really enjoyed this movie. Uh, yeah, it's, it's for, for how little I enjoyed part four, 
this one hung in there pretty good. There's uh, there's some enjoyable things. I think it's a refreshing change of pace uh, to kind of get out of the traditional home being owned by the family or a couple and instead kind of have a buddy movie with two younger guys and they're out more in their neighborhood. So uh, if nothing else, I like it because it switches that stuff up. <laughs> this this is the first one relatable because all the other ones, they're rich as shit. And then this yeah. one, they're, they're poor. So I'm like, okay, I'm related to this, to these people. Sorry, I didn't mean to call them these people. What do you mean by <laughs> you people? Jesus. I was, I was, All right, I was, start over, recording I was completely over again. over it poor by the people, time we got around. Poor people like me. Over it. I felt like they had, I felt like they had given everything that was in their bag of tricks by the time this movie got around. And while I think it is refreshing to take it away from the group of characters that we focused on for the first, what, four movies, they finally got away from that and went to a different group of characters unrelated. Um, but I was over it. And again, like I've said, I, I'm not a found footage guy. It just, it, the series isn't my cup of tea. And this one, I was just checked out by the time it started. Well, that's your misfortune. <laughs> uh, so, yes, we are in this uh, Hispanic apartment complex. Um, you got, as, as Professor said, the buddy sort of thing going on. These kids running around doing crazy stuff with their GoPro. And then uh, one night they're messing with the GoPro, like swinging it around and mowing it through things, and they get into somebody else's apartment. And it's like a weird old. Are you podcasting from a sub? <laughs> Do I sound weird? Yeah, sounds like you're at a waterfall. <laughs> How about now? Do I sound better now? You sound better. Okay. So they're uh, playing with the GoPro. They <laughs> still hear the water. Is that Vinny's dishwasher? <laughs> Low blow. <laughs> it's not on my end. Okay. So they're. Uh, <laughs> Their buddies and their GoPro, they catch a glimpse into a different apartment. It's the weird kind of bruja lady, the witch lady, and the, there's a naked lady standing in her apartment. It's very strange. They're kind of turned on, but then strange things happen. And then that weird lady gets murdered by the school valedictorian, and no one understands what's going on. And that's the setup. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I thought you guys froze or something. Uh, I I like them using a Simon game as a spirit board. I thought that was a nice touch. Yeah. Yeah, it, it bounces around with some creativity, uh, and like I I've mentioned already, uh, it's refreshing with the relationship. My problem is when we we start to blossom out, we then immediately go back to old characters and our same narrative and that's that's the frustrating part of this film for me because there is some interesting stuff that they do and they kind of grow in scope with with what we venture into in this film uh one could even say they open up the door to things uh but just again we bring in the daughter from the earlier film for her to talk about her experiences and then we're right back into the same world and that's that was that's the frustrating part for me. You made a good point earlier where you were like, they could have made this movie and it could have been a good movie and it didn't have to be a paranormal activity. Yeah. It's I didn't need the tie-in. 
is one they could have had sitting on the shelf as something else, and they turned it into a paranormal activity movie. Grizzly Chimin like, in from 1988. And someone else, yeah, they made the point like, um, did they do this to like try and appeal to a Hispanic audience to kind of hit that market? You know, it's the possibility that someone comes to the Anyways, I enjoyed the movie. Uh, lots of weird things going on. Um, yeah, so they, he, he goes, they're investigating the lady's apartment, and um, there's like that trap door, and that sequence of the arm coming out of it looks pretty good. Um, there's a scary basement that he goes into, and he sees the sisters in there, Katie and Christy, right? Yep. Yep. And you get this whole witch exclamation, and they kill his grandma, which is super sad because his grandma looks really sweet. And then uh, he ends up going to Katie Chris's grandma's house and opens the door, and it's a portal. It's also known as jumping the shark. <laughs> and where does that door portal take them, Vinny? What? <laughs> <laughs> Where does that door portal take them, Tom? To part one. Back to the first movie. Back oh. to the future. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so go back back all the way to Katie and Mika. And that's the weird that they see at the in the house at the end of the night and all the commotion that they hear going on from the first movie. Yeah, because in the in the first movie uh, Mika Mika tapes everything <laughs> and takes the camera everywhere except for the most important part of, of the whole entire film with the screaming they go downstairs and we don't get to see that. So in this we finally get to explore what happened downstairs. And I know that Benny was waiting on that explanation. What a huge payoff. <laughs> <laughs> totally worth sitting through Fucking six of these movies. <laughs> You're only on part five. We ain't got six yet. Well, <laughs> they're all the same. Okay. Anything <laughs> more we want to say on five? Uh, just what we're referring to uh, at the, with the ending. The portal takes them down into the first floor of the couple's place where she mistakenly thinks it's one of the kids that's broken in and she stabbed Mika Mika. And then that's, you know, when we saw the original film, his body gets flung in there and she's covered in blood. So that at least, if we're going to mess with that nonsense, it at least fills in the gap there with a little bit more to it. Yeah. I overall think this is a good film. I think it's uh, the best film since part three, but there's only one film in between, obviously. But <laughs> <laughs> I... I think it was. I think it was well done. For me. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, I would. I, I might rewatch this one someday. Where I don't plan on rewatching it. Yeah, you could mark that one. Okay. Ugh. Let's, hey, man. Let's bring this home. Let's try. <laughs> Bob, you usually have a lot to say. You got anything else to say before we come to the wine last movie? Uh, moving on. Okay, <laughs> the sixth paranormal film, The Ghost Dimension. So, Paranormal Activity, The Ghost Dimension in 3D, 2015, uh, directed by Gregory uh, Proton Peck. 
Sorry, Chris Murray. Uh, I can't even read half of my notes at this point. I think I checked out even prior to this uh, this writing. Um, looks like uh, Britt Shaw, Ivy George, and Dan Gill. Um, and uh, Mark Steiger as Toby. Uh, and then Haley Foote returning as Grandma. Um, I did see, uh, I will say the 3D in this movie was pretty cool. And um, I think three and four were the stronger two, but this one's not so bad either, I guess. Uh, mm -hmm. Except yeah. for now, it just kind of like leaves everything open to. Don't you dare defend this movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's not bad. Ugh. I beg to defend. Uh, worst of the franchise, in my opinion. You like too, so. <laughs> what was that, Professor? I said, worst of the franchise by a mile. <laughs> this isn't even trying to really achieve the the subtle scares that the franchise built its name on. We've now uh, basically ventured into a 3D gimmick, ripping off a lot of concepts and the ideas of Poltergeist and force-feeding it into keeping it within the storyline that was already exhausted. And so the whole time I'm watching this, I'm thinking, why didn't you just make a separate movie with this gimmick, this does not need to be a sixth entry in a franchise because spiritually it doesn't even feel like the rest of them. Never mind that it's far fetched. And why are we doing found footage, but then doing these elaborate CG effects? Like it just, it just doesn't work for me. I, and I honestly, <clears throat> I'm a sucker for like time travel or portals. I think that makes even the shittiest movie see the Amityville entry more interesting 1994 it's about time yeah so it's like for me uh, there's a reason I we haven't we don't have another one to cover after this there's they're making it yeah but they've been saying that for years now it's getting made they've I think uh, for years I think at this point like really I mean you did say a lot of uh, truth about the special effects at this point, why do they all have to be yeah. found footage? Why not just make a movie? I had one note, and it was, ugh. <laughs> You're like the weather guy, family guy. I wrote that down. Ugh. So there's a new family. They find the old video camera. Some of this weird They're footage. living in the old house from the third movie. Yeah, supposedly. That house looks a whole lot bigger than it did in the third movie. Well, I mean, didn't the house... It burned Ooh, down. It's burned down by now. Oh, it's so the, the grant, It's the property because they see Katie and uh, Kristen, their names in the concrete from the there, so they know that they're on the property. You moved the tombstones, but you didn't move the bodies. <laughs> <laughs> so they find the old video camera. There's weird shit. There's a strange blob. That blob is so dumb. <laughs> yeah. The movie. Um, uh, boy. You're talking shit. That's why Toby's fucking with your mic and camera. <laughs> <laughs> um, I tell you what, when that black thing goes flying by at one point, that did scare the shit out of me. So I'll give them that. They did quite me. Yeah, because then you wonder, like, are they on an island and is this purgatory? Like after their plane crashed? 
And there's a polar bear. And it's, it's also the first one that's used a holiday theme. Yeah, well, I hope you revisit this every Christmas. Now you can, you can add this to your Christmas watching pleasure. <laughs> uh, so they get that ham coming out of the mirror, and like, oh, is there another dimension? Say hand or ham. Yes, I wish ham came out of the mirror and make the film more entertaining. Uh, they're doing Bloody Mary backwards. We find out that Toby is involved, but the, uh, that one girl bit a priest, and that was funny because they all, she fucking bit a priest. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so they said they need an extermination and not an exorcism. And the ending is a bit much. And Every movie before this, there was at least some genuine effort to make a movie for fans to enjoy. With this, I don't feel that at all. I feel like they've slapped in a bunch of things that to just pacify people to, to cash in on. It's just This doesn't have really the ingenuity or the heart that some of the previous entries did. I think uh, I think every year just to put a movie out. So maybe the next one will uh, be completely different. Like like again, I think they should throw out the found footage at this point and just make a movie. That would get some good buzz. Be like, hey, we've got a new paranormal activity, but we're gonna show you a whole different movie. I heard uh, everybody's uh, worn out. I heard uh, Martin Scorsese's uh, tap to direct. <laughs> <laughs> well, sure, it'll be four hours long then. Yeah, that's what I'm looking for. All right. Al Pacino's, uh, Al Pacino's gonna play Toby. Really cool. So yeah. do you think that do you think it was a strength for them by part six to maybe have some important characters, uh, parental figures lose their life and maybe run some stuff at the camera? Do you think uh, do you think that was kind of a fresh thing for this one before we closed out? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Facial expression got me on that one. So, uh, yeah, Paranormal Activity 6, the uh, ghost dimensions. Anything else? It's as good a movie as this episode has been to record. <laughs> yeah. Uh, during, during these trying times, it's good to, to focus on uh, a positive spin for the future. So, we're only going to get better at figuring out the technology so the quality <laughs> should improve. And it won't be these movies we're talking about. So Hell yeah. Us. Hell yeah. Okay, well, let's wrap this up before my internet takes a shit again. Uh, I am one of your hosts, Thursday Abner. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> so we, we have the exit pods, and we, we've said all we need to say. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay, uh, I'm Thursday Abner, and I've been joined by Professor Wagstaff. Venomous Vinny. Hot Toddy. Thanks for sticking with us through this uh, difficult recording and uh, the, everything we're trying to do with this pandemic. We're, we're doing our best. And we are listeners. So, stay scary. Wash your hands.